of his family that you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you've got some memories of what you used to was, and you know what you are now, and you know where you're headed. One of the things that helps us out is that our Heavenly Father has given us all that we need in order to make it through this life so that people will know He's our Daddy. Now, all of our dads, I want it one last time you to stand up if you would everybody who is a dad would you stand up please amen amen you can be seated we do thank you and I wish my dad was here to be able to stand up and and know where I've come in this life because of what he's sown into me And there's a whole lot of stuff he sewed into me. I was as hard-headed as they was. I could not get it. And they steal stuff today. Anybody know what I'm talking about? My Heavenly Father's trying to sew some stuff into me. And I just can't get it sometimes. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But he loves us so much that he just keeps pouring it back in. He loves us so much that he has forgiveness that is beyond anybody's understanding that's how much our heavenly father loves us and I'm going to tell you what when you got a daddy that's that way the daddy that's got that kind of an attitude oh you got something he's just going to keep pouring out sometimes we don't understand everything that goes on sometimes it's hard for us to fathom the stuff we see going on in our nation today. And what bothers me is that there's nobody, or it seems there's not many, that, that are upset about these kinds of things. As Brother Murphy said a while ago, you know, not everybody's the father. A lot of men have sired babies, and they ain't nowhere near being a father. And there's a lot of men that stepped up to the plate to be a father that never sired those children. Thank God for them. Amen. If you know them, thank God for them. We got some dads to be in here. Thomas, I mean, he's done it so much. Y'all go on number six now, right? But then Bradley, he's going to be a new daddy. So there's going to be a whole lot of difference in learning and stuff going on. And I'm going to tell you now, sirs. Oh, I'm going to tell you now. Ain't nothing like raising your babies. Ain't. Yes. Amen. It's a prime example. Prime example right there of a father. A true father. And thank you. Our children learn to, learn to grow up and serve the Lord. We sow into them as much as we can. Our children learn to... You know what our children learn? They learn from us. I want to talk to you this morning about attitude 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 you know you hear people say well don't give me this attitude or he's got a bad attitude a bad, bad according to whose standard now before I was saved I thought all you people had bad attitudes all you Christian people am I right I mean it all depends on whose eyes you're looking from bad attitude or now you got a good attitude, so you can't ride on both sides of the fence. I want you to, I'm trying to paint the picture of what I want you to see this morning, is you can tell a home or a child by their attitudes, their mannerisms. You want to find out what's going on in a house politically? Ask them some little kids about the political race, right? You already know what mommy and daddy's done said. You don't have to ask mommy and daddy what was said. Because them little ones will let you know what mom and daddy's been saying. Or if they say nothing, you know mom and dad really don't care one way or another because they probably ain't taking it in. It's hard for your kids not to take in the things that you take in. It is so hard to separate it. And sometimes that is such a dangerous thing. Ain't it, sweetie? Stuff can get up in you. <laughs> Stuff can go into your children that don't need to go there. And sometimes you can't separate that from things that you have to take in. But it's the attitude. 
It's the attitude of dads. You dads are here today because of your attitude of your love for your heavenly father. Where did you get that? Man didn't give it to you. If you gave it to some man's credit, you missed the mark because God put that in you. You're here serving the Lord today because God sowed into you that attitude of gratitude, if that makes sense. So we're here because we're grateful. And it amazes me, and I don't understand it, why there can be people that are so angry or mad at God and the church. We see that all the time. I show up in a tie and a suit in my truck to knock on a door and invite somebody to church. If I'm holding a clipboard, they might open the door. If I'm holding a Bible, they already know whether they're going to open the door or not because of that attitude that they want to have. And if I show up in a pair of flip-flops and some jeans and look like I'm lost, and if I've got a kind look on my face, they're more apt to receive that and to open that door. Now I might be able to minister. Now they might shut that door just in a minute after they find out what I'm there about, but at least the door can get open. What I'm talking about is people have attitudes that they have toward different things. Right this morning, whenever we started singing the Star Spangled Banner, my attitude took me to this place, holding my cuffs, my thumb out like this, and my hand over my heart, facing that flag. That's what was sewn into me as a kid. If I was on the baseball field, I turned to where the flag was, and I stood there at attention or at a half rest with my cap off, and behind. I had the attitude of respect. These are the kinds of things that comes from God. And I don't understand why we have in this world today, there's such a divide that people have hate sometimes toward God or they're angry with God. And many times it's always because of something that somebody has said or done to them. That turns them off to God. That turns them off to church. You see, my children, they know what I expect for them to act like. Now, I don't know that they're going to do it. At some point, they get to make their own decisions and calls, but my prayer is I've sowed enough into them that they're going to make the right decisions. And they might not, but God knows all about it. God can see them through it. Sometimes that might take me to a place of praying a whole lot harder. But it's all about attitude. Where do we get that attitude from? Look around you this morning. When we serve God, everybody in here is a free agent. You know what a free agent is? You're free to do what you want. You don't belong to nobody or you're you're free to do as you want. So whenever these kinds of things happen in the world, you see the world don't get it and don't understand it all the time, but sometimes when that person gets hurt, Maybe they didn't dress right at a certain church, and it's like, okay, they painted everybody with a broad brush. We're not going to go back, or something is said. You see, the thing to look at is, did that whole body of believers, or did every believer in the world do that to you, or did that individual do that? You see, the world has one attitude that way. That's their way of not being accountable. That's their way of not having to answer to God. That's the world's way of not having to fall into compliance or submission to God Almighty. You say, when are you ever going to get to some scripture? Here in a minute. Hold on. This is a setup. You see, that's that individual. We have a different attitude, and as we grow as believers, some of you have been around for a long time as a believer. Some are brand new But remember this, God's going to sow a whole new attitude change in you and me. As I said before, I thought all y'all was a bunch of nuts stuck up people. Y'all got saved. Then I was able to see the error of my ways. You understand? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You didn't feel that way, but then whenever you came into the church, whenever you invited Christ into your heart, a change started taking place. And let me tell you something, that change will go on until the day you die. You leave, breathe your last breath here, the Lord is still going to be changing. So now I'm going to segue. Anybody know what segue means? 
Segue means to introduce or to change into another spot. Um, what's a good way to say it? Uh, lead into something else or to transition. There you go, to transition. And Jesus did exactly that, by the way, right? He did that for this world we live in. He did that for us. In John chapter 13 and 34, he says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this will, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for another. One for another. This is what the Lord gave us. This is what He sowed into us. This is the, the, the desire that He puts in our hearts. This is God's desire. This is God's will that He has put there. But He did it in such a way of He did a segue into it. You see, God so loved the world, right? He did all of this. He so loved the world. He made the world. He made all that was in the world. And He so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Jesus Christ. That is a love that is beyond comprehension for you and me in our earthly minds. But he segued that. God had love. Jesus gave the love. And now, by the power of the Holy Ghost, we give love. That's the only way that scripture can be fulfilled. The only way the attitude changes is that the Spirit comes in and he does that work. See, this is different from the way the world thinks. So it's an attitude change. Dads, you set the attitude for your home. You set the attitude for your children. You sow into them, and you pray for them, and you sow that in there. And eventually, someday, you're going to see, get, get to see that flower blossom. You see, that's because we're different from what the world because of that attitude. Are you different because you own a Bible? Are you different because you attend church? Are you different because you've been out knocking on doors? No, you're different because you have a different attitude than what the world is. See, when everybody else is getting all bent out of shape, because of this or that or what the other thing or whatever it is, there's something that God gave you the day you got saved. He's been nurturing it and growing it. And it's called grace. When everybody else is getting bent out of shape of what's going on in the world and around them or across the street, their neighbors or their kids or whatever it may be, when everybody else is getting bent out of shape and not trusting in God, you have been given something to help with that, and that's called grace. Freely you've received it, freely you give it. That's another attitude of God. We're talking about what the Holy Ghost does in our lives. You see, these things we're talking about, you're not going to do it on your own. You can, you can act the act, but you can't walk the walk unless he is there walking with you. It can't happen. At some point, pressure will get so bad, the flesh will come out and win. But the only way that we get to walk that way and have the attitude of the Spirit is for Him to do this work. You see, we walk in love. Now that love that we walk in doesn't mean that I love everything. That means that I have the love of Christ because I know where I was shortfalling that I need to have that for the next guy. I don't care what he's done or where he's been. That's how I'm able to walk with the Spirit. And that's where he walks at, by the way. We ask these questions. This is kind of a continuation, really, of what we've been doing about does the Spirit have you? Not do I have the Spirit, but does he have you is the question. Does he, is he the one that's calling the shots? This kind of falls in that purview. We walk in love, or he walks in love, and if he's got us and we're walking with him, being led by him, we got love. God loves everybody. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to faith in Christ. He's not willing, but he has that love. That, dads, is what we are to do. Lead our families there. Lead our wives there. Lead our children to that place. I don't have to like what's going on. I don't have to do that, but I do have to love. 
I don't have to condone, but I do have to love. That's the mark of a spirit-filled believer. Initial evidence is speaking in tongues, yes. I'm not going to deny that. We're going to talk a little bit about that maybe. But I'm talking about the true mark of a true believer, of a true spirit-filled believer, is he walks in love. He has the attitude that God has. Right? Because we can teach our kids all kinds of attitudes, but our Heavenly Father teaches us this attitude. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. And guys, I just follow me with some scriptures because I'm not just sure exactly how we're going to do this. But we're going to be in Ephesians 4 for a minute or two or ten. We've been given an extra measure of grace only because of God's love. Ephesians 4 and chapter 1 says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Hmm. This is how we walk with him. He's asked us, he's telling us, he's urging us that we walk worthy. What does that mean to live or to walk worthy? What's the, that's an attitude that we walk in and what that attitude is, is the spirit is leading me to do whatever it takes to keep peace. Whatever it takes to walk in unity with my brothers and sisters. That's one of the attitudes of the Spirit. <clears throat> that's one of the things that God is teaching us. You see, the devil is always looking for one person. One person in our midst, in this world, or in our local place that we're at, in our workplace or whatever, the devil is looking for one person that he can speak to them and they're going to say whatever he wants them to say to bring division and disunity. He's looking for one, and guess what? He's got plenty. Somebody is always going to step to the place of having that. Teach our children this is not how we walk. You represent my family. Ryan, he left. Preaching got too hard. Sunday left the church. That's bad. Oh. Now nah, he's been sick, so he's. But I've told my children, this is not how we roll. This is not how we act. You represent this family. God's telling us you represent this family. And the devil is always looking for some knothead that's going to listen to what he has to say. You see, these kind of people, these, they're called in, in the Bible whispers. They're called tailbearers. And tailbearers can separate the best of friends. That's what tailbearers can do. But the Spirit has an attitude that will walk in love and unity. You see, Spirit-filled people will swallow their pride. Spirit-filled people will be able to choose their battles. They won't just say what's on their mind. They'll do whatever it takes to keep unity. They learned of something a long time ago. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That's what Spirit-filled people have figured out. Spirit-filled people, they do whatever it takes to keep unity in the body of Christ. That's what they do. That is one of the attitudes of God. Let me tell you something. If you're spirit-filled or think you're spirit-filled and you don't have that attitude, it's time to get to the altar and let God show you. That's why this message is this morning. It might hit close to home for you. It might not. If it don't, that's okay. Pray that it'll get to where it needs to go. I'm praying that it'll get to where it needs to go inside of me. But you see, that's what we have an attitude. Our attitude in our nation is changing. Why? Because the attitude in the home is changing. Why? Because the attitude of the nation for the last 70 years has not wanted to do anything with God. And therefore, we wonder why people will turn their back at the singing of the national anthem. We're wondering why people will walk on flags. We're wondering why people will do all these things. And it's simply because we didn't keep God at the center of what we're doing. 
We haven't let the Spirit lead us. We haven't, we haven't been able to take prideful self and throw him over in the corner and say, you don't have a, a say here. This is what the Lord wants to do. And that is what our attitude has changed as a nation. That's where our attitude needs to go as a people. Ephesians 4 and 7, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Which is, what is that? What is the measure of Christ's gift? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever soever will believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so what? Loved. He so loved the world that he took care of business that needed to be done. See, God gave the love. Jesus gave the love. The Spirit's going to teach us to walk in love. He's going to take us to the place that we'll have that love. And can I tell you where love is? The division, the disunity, the things like this will not be there, but the unity will be there. The people will be united together. In Ephesians 4 and 11, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? Why did he do that? He did it for the equipment of the ministry of what we have to do here. You see, folks, when everybody does their part, everything functions well. Let me say that again. When everybody does their part, everything functions well. Do you realize, and, and I, I don't get any more for saying this or any less, this is a good place for a blessing, so pay attention. Get your pencil out, write it down. If everybody sitting here today and everybody who is a member here today and everybody who is a part of the body of Christ today around the world today would pay their tithes, the church would always have money to do what it needed to do. One of the things that will make us fight and scratch over anything in this world is the one thing God said, this is what you need to do. You understand what I'm talking about? I'll make no more or no less money whether you pay your tithes or not, but that's what the Bible tells us. You understand what I'm saying? And then we can get the work done. Then we won't have a lot of the fighting and the scratching and the boo-hooing and the crying. Ooh. See, that's what we teach. That's why we are to be teachers. See, the body of Christ is not, what can you do for me? What can you do for me? And if you don't do for me what I want done for me, I'm going to go to another church who will do for me. That's not the spirit of the Lord that leads that statement, right? I'm going to quit Jesus. That's not the spirit that's leading that. That's not what he's going to bring. You see, it's like this. If I hurt my foot... And, you know, it's got me limp, and I'm walking funny. Anybody ever did that? You, you drop something on your toe, or you turn your ankle playing ball, and all of a sudden, everything is fine in me. This is my whole body. My mind is, I guess, fine, depending on who you ask. My heart is working. My lungs are working. My kidneys are working. They're working just fine, but it's that pain that's down here in my foot that's just aggravating the life out of me. You see, whenever the hurt goes around, it affects the entire body of Christ. So it makes me walk funny. It makes me to where my mind goes to places that it don't need to go. Why? Because I've hurt a member of my body. I've hurt a piece of my body. You see, that's not how this is supposed to go. You see, that... That pain aggravates us. That pain takes us to the place that we don't need to go. And this is about attitude. See, if we want the church to function how it's supposed to do, we don't have to worry and beg for nursery workers. We don't have to worry and beg for people to help us with the events because they're going to be there if the body is doing what the body should be doing. We don't have to worry about all these kinds of things that's not going to function right whenever 
the body is doing what it should be doing. What was that scripture? That's what the ministry is about. You see, it's not just that there's going to be an external guy here. Everybody here are, are, has that place to be in the ministry, to be a teacher. You might not be able to teach a Sunday school class, but you can sit over in the corner on the front row after church on a Sunday night and you can teach somebody a whole lot about the Lord. Do you understand that? So everybody has a place in this. See, if the body of Christ is doing what we're supposed to do, what we're going to do is whenever it's time for stuff to be done, we're going to take and we're going to grab our bootstraps and we're going to put them on. We're going to pull up our britches and we're going to strap our belts good and tight and pick up our sword and we're going to walk out into this world and we're going to fight for Jesus. We're going to do what needs to be done. We're going to stand up to all the stuff that the devil has to bring with our sword, which is the Word. That's what we do. We'll put away the pacifiers and we'll start fighting the war for Christ and God's almighty army. That's what we are to do. That's how the church is supposed to function. But why has the world gotten how it has gotten? Because we need to start functioning like we're supposed to, like the Bible tells, rather than what was. Because I got news for you. For 70 years, whatever's been done ain't been working because look around us. Look around us. Look around us. See, unity doesn't mean that you have to like somebody. Did you hear what I said? Unity doesn't mean that you have to like somebody. You see, me and this man here, we like each other. We love each other. Probably one of the reasons why is I talk a lot and he can't hear me, so we get along just fine. <laughs> now, he turns his hearing aids on sometimes and we, we'd solve the world's problems. CNN and, and Fox News would love to be over in that backyard a few times a week. But we got some things that are alike. You understand what I'm talking about? We have some things that are alike. We like to garden. We like to do these kinds of things together, and therefore we're alike. But I also love him. I love him to death. He's like my grandpa. But now we come over here, and me and Roger, we don't have so much that's alike. I mean, he's a builder type of guy. See what I'm talking about? So liking that don't have anything to do with it. It's about the love that's there. See, no matter what we have going on, we may not have anything that is alike. I may not like that he does building. I may not like the house that he built because I'd have did it different. But at the end of the day, I gotta love him. Because if the what we are alike or don't alike comes into play and gets in the way, love ain't got no place because then it's harder to put it down. Our relationship now becomes about our differences rather than what we are alike. There's one thing that every one of us can come together on, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? It's about an attitude change. I'll explain to you tomorrow what I said. He can't hear, but he's still here every Sunday. We talk about it on Monday. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You see, that's, that's what it's about. It's how we, this is how we come together. This is how this thing works, and this is how we keep from having that hurt. You see, we don't have to like them, but we do have the responsibility to love. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, we have the responsibility to love. There's no way around it, and when that gets in the way, man, I could just go somewhere else and preach for a minute, but I am not going to do it. When, whenever other things get in the way, it gets in the way of love. And then we start acting how we shouldn't be acting. This grace that God gave us is okay. You know, we don't have to be cantankerous because somebody else, as you remember the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Don't do unto them as they did unto you. 
That's how the world acts. You see, we got a different attitude. We don't act the way the world acts. We act another way. We act a way that people say, how can that happen? We just had a funeral here a few weeks ago of a lady that raised a child that wasn't hers. You want to talk about an explanation of grace, there it is. There it is. That's an explanation of receiving grace and being able to give grace. We're not going to go into those details. That's up to you. But what I'm saying is, is that is where true grace rolls out. That's where true grace has come in. And that's how the Spirit wants to work. That's how He wants to do. You see, we don't always live it, do we? Anybody else be able to raise your hand and not be a liar in church on Sunday morning? Yeah, I ain't raising my hand, preacher. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Everybody knows where it's hitting because it's landing in every lap this morning. We got some work to do every week. We got to be renewing our minds every week, every day. You see, the grace is already there. Jesus gave it to it. All we got to do is just walk in it. All we got to do is just walk in it. And leaders, 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 where you at? This is our job to set that pace. That's what we're supposed to do. And you let me know if you ever receive from a leader that's on what we call the leadership team or a part of the staff of this church, if you receive anything other than what we're talking about this morning, this grace and this love, let me know. Because I'm going to tell you just as plain as I can. If they act out of the way that God says that we're supposed to act, they do not represent God, they do not represent this church, and they do not represent me as the pastor of this church. And they do not represent what the Word of God says. And we will do ministry work, which is try to restore them to the place that they should go. Now with that being said, members, receive the teaching that has been given. Receive the teaching that the Holy Ghost is trying to bring to us. Because if that person steps out of line, they only represent themselves. Can we say that right now? They only represent themselves? Because it's easy to get mad and never come back to a church because somebody did or said something. It's easy to get mad and not want to take what God's had to say because somebody said something. The one that talks the loudest ain't necessarily the spokesperson. Everybody know that? Once got the most phone numbers by knows them by heart, ain't the spokesperson for the church. The spokesperson for the church has a set of guidelines that's set right in here. And that is where we go by. And if we do anything other than that, then it has to be dealt with. In love, but it has to be dealt with. I've whipped my kids a bunch of times as they was growing up, didn't like it, but it had to be done. It had to be dealt with. That's another that's a responsibility, Dad. You're going to have to discipline those children as they grow. Otherwise, they won't know right from wrong. Otherwise, they won't be able to take it in. And God gave you everything you needed. So we've got to have the right attitude. And the Holy Spirit's got to be the one that's leading us. In Ephesians 4 and 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitfulness. We kind of touched on that this morning in Sunday school, Randy. You see, the more mature you are in Christ, the harder it is for you to be offended. Amen. The more mature that I am in Christ, let me do it that way, it might not hurt so bad. The more mature, mature I am in Christ, the harder it is for me to be offended. See, the easily offended ones are spiritually shallow. If I'm like that, I'm spiritually shallow. You know, the thin-skinned ones. That's what we're talking about here. But you want to know how to fix it? Just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. That's how we fix it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Dads, are you praying with your kids? Teach them how to pray. It's not a church, just a church thing. I don't, we don't establish that just because you're in church doesn't mean that you're spirit-filled. Just because that you're in church doesn't mean you're going to walk where the Lord wants you to walk. It's what's going on inside the heart is what the Lord is talking about. 
in verse 15, but speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. We'll get to another verse here in a minute. May grow up in all things into him who is the head of which is Christ. Grow up. Look at you. No, don't do that. Grow up. We're talking about effective working for the Lord. The body of Christ is not going to get frustrated if everybody is effectively working. If everybody is working, you don't have to beg for those workers. An idle mind is the devil's workshop. That's true. Effective working brings unity. So we have to grow up and do the work that needs to be done. You see, if we're effectively working, there's no time to get upset about some things. Ephesians 4 and 17, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. How in the world are we going to win this world if our attitudes are the same as the world? And God will test us. Always remember that the test is so that you can grow. God already knows the test is so you can grow. See, what do we do when what we want to do should be different than what we want to do? Did I say that right? Did I? Did that make sense? I can't. I took my glasses off so I can't see you. Let me try it again in case I get it wrong. What do I do if what I want to do is different than what I should do? Did that make better sense? You ever had a situation in your life where you had that happen? I know what the Bible says, or I think I do, and I'm not going to open it up because what I want to do ain't exactly what I should do. This boy treated my daughter this way, or this boy treated my girls treated my son this way, or this boss did this to my wife, or this person said this and done this about my wife, and the want to in you wants to go over and just pick them up by the scruff of the neck and slap them around a little bit and tell them that Jesus loves them, and so do you. And this is how he whips his people. But the Spirit says, no, I want you to do something different. You know you know what I'm talking about? You ever been in that place where somebody just patronizes you? Yeah, you've been in that place where somebody, you know, oh, let's look at you. You look so good this morning. Let me take a picture and show it. My brother couldn't come today, and he likes how you're looking, and you know good and well they ain't taking that picture to go show their brother nothing. They're taking that picture because they got some other things in mind to be patronized. See, that's not what the Spirit is going to lead us to do. The Spirit's going to lead us to the place that we're going to throw some love in there. You know, when the enemy, when that person that's doing the patronizing or that person that has despitefully used you, for my sake, Jesus said, why is it for his sake? I always used to think that that piece of Scripture, that if they despitefully use you for my sake, then everybody who wouldn't trying to lead somebody to Christ or do something churchy wouldn't for his sake. I'm going to give you something to think about here this morning. Chew on this for a minute. For his sake. He tells us that if an enemy does these kinds of things to do what? Paul heaping coals of live fire up on their head. Now how do you burn somebody up that has just despitefully used you For his sake. Kill him with kindness. That's a good way to say it. That you know, you go over and mow the yard. They're gonna burn up. You're gonna pray for them. That's exactly right. Never give up. But God said, I want to use your hands. I'll let y'all finish reading the rest of Ephesians 4. Because this is all in there, because I gotta get to the end. Because it's almost time for dads to go eat, and I'm a dad. (laughs) 
But you see, He wants to use us. And we say we don't want to grieve the Spirit, and we look at churchy things to say that, but whenever that person despitefully uses you, and He says, I've been looking for a heart of love, and I can't find one to use, that grieves the Spirit. It grieves Him. Because there's an opportunity to let His love shine. Go to, go to 1 Corinthians 13, guys. I'll just read it from there. Hit the first uh, one, two, three verses. He wants to use you and me. That's why we deal with a bunch of junk. You know, he gave us enough grace to help us. He knew there were going to be some knotheads along the way that's going to try to trip us up. But he gave us enough grace to be able to use it and to pass it on. You see, we got to be careful with those words that we speak in public or in private because the wind will carry those words. I think the Bible says somebody will hear them. Somebody will know. Just remember this and never ever forget it. God always knows. He always knows. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Next verse. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Next. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. You see, the gifts of the Spirit are wonderful. They're a chapter back. And the gifts of the Spirit are free. You don't have to beg God. You've got to let Him use you. But He says it doesn't matter what you're doing that's a gifty Spirit. If there ain't no love in it, He can't use you or me. And that, I think, might be where some of the breakdown has happened. We got the excuses of why I get to dislike or why I get to... And we haven't looked at what the Spirit says. And the Spirit says that if you don't have love, it's nothing. What it is is God can't use me if I don't have love in this. That's, I'm not talking about whether you're saved or not. I'm talking about does the Spirit have control of you or does He have control of me? Go up to verse 8, guys. I don't know if I can see that far. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. And whether there are tongues, they will cease. And whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Next. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Next. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Next. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put childish things away. Right there you go, church. We put some of the childish stuff away. Paul's teaching us here. Next. For now I see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Go on. And now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. When, what, what is that, that then that they're talking about here? In verse 10. Can you go back to verse 10? Would it be easy enough, Ken, real quick? But, then that, but when that is which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. What is the then? That's the, the dividing line of the spiritual gifts or not. That's a whole lot of the problem that's been going on in, the, in our nation today and in the church around the world. We haven't let the Word be the Word. We wanted to make the Word what we want to make the Word, and that don't work. The Word has to come out. The Word has to be able to do. And so, but the then is heaven. 
It's not when the Bible comes along we don't need tongues and prophecy and these things. No, that's the heaven. You see, when I get to heaven, I don't need no more prophecy. When I get to heaven, I, ain't gonna need, I don't have no need for no more tongues. When I get to heaven, I don't have to have any of the spiritual gifts, do I, Brother Murphy? No, the only thing is there is love, and love is not a spiritual gift. It's something that comes into us that we receive from God, and as we grow, it will grow. If we stop growing, it stops growing. And that is whether or not we are filled with the Spirit or not. That is whether or not we can be used of the Spirit or not. See, whenever I grow up to that place, everything will be gone except love. And we're going to need all the love we can get and we're going to have all the love we can have to share in heaven. Amen. So dads, have the attitude of love. Love them babies. Protect them babies in love. Sow into them babies in love. Go to, go to 1 Corinthians, back up there in uh, verse 5, 5, 6, 5 or 6. Verse 4. Now you take, can you pull up NIV real quick? That would be easy or hard. I like how it reads here. I want you to take your name, and then I want you to take everybody else's name that you know. Your wife, your kids, your, husband, uh, your, your, uh, your neighbor, your mom, your dad, everybody that you know. And I want you to put their name in there. Love is patient. You got patience for everybody you know? Well, that's where the Spirit's leading you. Because that's what love is. It's kind. You got kindness for everybody you know? Because we don't get to say who's believers and who ain't, right? Well, we, can tell, we can tell about the tree maybe, but do we really know? Right. So are we kind? Do we have this kindness? That's what the Spirit wants. That's what He will do. Go on. I see, I see, it does not envy. You don't have that kind of stuff going on. It is not, does not boast and it is not proud. Are we like that with people that we know? They come over to the house and we need to show them the house because we came from nothing and now we got everything. That's the, you know. I, we had to stop doing that. I felt it was a good thing, but I got convicted over it one day and I said, people come to my house they want to see what's in the bedroom. They need to stay all night, and then I'll give them a bed. But it ain't no trophy piece to show off. I've got a sitting room. We'll sit down and talk. And if you get into my inner circle, then you might get to kick your shoes off and peel your socks off and throw your feet up on the coffee table if you want. But that's where a relationship gets built. You understand what I'm talking about? Go on to the next one. It does not dishonor others. You're not spirit-filled if dishonor comes to others out of your mouth or out of your ways. Because that's where he goes. Only. He is not self-seeking. He's not saying, what's in it for me? Am I going to do this or not do this because of what I is going to come to me? He don't do that. He just follows the leading of the Spirit. It is not easily angered. And the Bible tells us about this anger. It says, be angry and sin not, back in Ephesians where we was just reading that in chapter 4. Be angry and sin not. It's okay to have these emotions as long as we don't sin because we are responsible to do what God says to do. Be angry and sin not. It's okay to have emotions, but don't sin. And that means you can't have hatred for your brother. You see how the word goes? It will always work itself. But if you go back to right here, this puts it all into perspective for us. It keeps no record of wrongs. The history book don't come out whenever trouble ends in the house. Amen? Right, sweetie? We don't pull the history book out at our house, do we? I get in trouble a lot. She's got a big history book if she wanted to, but she's done throwed the history book away because she knows this is not what Jesus wants done. 
and it keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Love never wants to see that. Do you want to see evil come on other people? But do you want them to also receive that truth? You see, that's the mark of a true spirit-filled believer. I'm not going to tell you just because you want it here because I want to keep you sitting in that seat. No, I'm going to tell you the truth that God needs you to have. And that's not too, that's not too popular. People start rolling out the doors. What's wrong with you, preacher? I don't know. I just did what Jesus said. Bob needed to hear this. I gave it to Bob. You see, love never fails. Love is the test tell. That's the attitude of a spirit-filled believer, and it's the proof of where we stand, and God wants to take us there. I'm going to ask you this morning, when does it start? Has it started, or when's it going to start? Well, I don't believe in all that. Well, that's fine. That's what the Bible says. That's what we was teaching this morning. But you're a dad in this nation. Men, remember when we dedicate the babies, what we say? We ask the church, will you be mother, father, brother, sister to this child? And we say, we will. So you are a dad. You are an example. When's it start? We're going to put some music on for us this morning. I'm not going to meet you at the altar unless you want to. But you and the Lord can have that talk. When's it start? Do I have the attitude of God? The Holy Spirit will give you the attitude of God. If you have the attitude of God, what's going to pour out of you? Love. The same attitude that you've got in you is what's going to pour out of you. That's how we win the world. Amen. Let's all stand up and shout and make the spirit move. No. I want you to stand up this morning. I don't want to get a piece of music going to get you riled up emotionally. I want you to have a real moment with God this morning if you want it. Stand to your feet if you would, please. That'll help you to wake up. They're going to play us something good and soft. But let the Holy Spirit do in your life what He wants to do right now.